Hello, everybody, and welcome to the June 8, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Efron Josine. And I'm just going to open by saying, you'll probably notice that I'm not going to be writing very many articles for a while. I'm still going to write my weekly column for Freedom First blog. If you guys don't know, I have a weekly column over there. In part because the one-year anniversary of writing for them is coming up, and you know, I'd, I'd feel kind of, I'd feel kind of like a dick if I just stopped doing that for a little bit. Um, and there's one article I submitted a while ago for the Liberty Hawk that's going to come out tomorrow. But besides that, there's not going to be any Medium posts. There's not going to be any new Liberty Hawk posts, um, at least on my end. And the reason for that is I took on a project that was way more than I thought I would be. You see, I wanted to um, compile all of my best articles into a book. Um, that book, by the way, is still coming out. It's called The Establishment is Dead. Long live the establishment. My second book, by the way, the first one is Ramblings of a Madman, Life is an Anarchist, which you can buy on Amazon. However, I thought that would be about a 200-page paperback that I'd sell on the Kendall store for 99 cents. and also include a physical copy for about 5 bucks. Uh, that's not what happened. And as of right now, as of writing the articles, I have so far compiled 350 pages worth of articles. Seriously. It's a collection of my articles. It's in entirely chronological order. Um, it has a foreword by Scott Howard, and it's really long as of right now. <laughs> now, I don't know when I'm going to stop. I'm doing about 100 pages worth a day because you just hit Control-C, hit Control-V, although that takes longer than you'd think, especially considering I'm tightening up the columns and, like, fixing grammatical errors and typos that were originally in there. Uh, so that's why it's going to take a little bit. However, it should be done by the end of the week. I don't see it going to a thousand pages. Okay, it's probably at the very most going to be like 500. But at the same time, I didn't realize I had 500 Google Docs pages worth of articles in the first place. Well, okay, about that would be about 345 or so, because there was an introduction and the forward by Howard. Um... The point is, there's way more than people think. Now, what I'm going to do, when the book actually comes out, I'm going to put it for pre-order on Amazon, and then the original plan was to do that on either Friday or Monday, but that's not going to happen. And then on Friday, I planned on hosting a Q&A. Okay, we weren't going to do the normal show, we were just going to do a Q&A. That's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen until I can get the book done. Once it's done, I'll put it on pre-order, and then, depending on... The day, I'll probably give it between five to seven days uh, for you guys to ask questions. This will be on, by the way, Twitter, Gab, Parlor, and my email. Uh, in which you guys can just send me questions and I'll answer them. And they can be about the book, they can be about politics, they can be about whatever you want. You want to ask me what my favorite movie is, what my favorite color is, or who my least favorite director is, something like that. You know what, you can ask that as well. Seriously, you can ask that as well. Uh, so that's what's going to be going on for a little bit. I'm not writing any articles in that time period because I don't want to add more fuel to the fire, if you will. <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about another accidentally propping up another, like, 
five, six, maybe even ten or twenty pages uh, worth of articles. Because I didn't even realize I had that many to begin with. And I'm including as many as possible. I'm mean, including stuff I wrote on my old Blogspot blog back when I was a progressive. Uh, if I genuinely feel the article was good. So, yeah, there's a lot there. And I mean a lot there. And I'll be including as much of that as possible into the book. And they'll be tightened up and you get it all in one place. But it's going to take a bit. So until then, I'm not writing very many. I'm not writing nearly as many new articles as I normally would. I'm still doing the column for freedom first. There's a chance I might come up with a new Liberty Hawk idea that I just can't get my head out of. So I'll wait for that. But besides that, there's going to be nothing new on Medium. Okay, nothing new on Medium for at least the next couple of days. Okay, that's it. Once this is over, I'll go back to writing basically daily like I was, and then do this again two years later. Like I've been doing, apparently. Uh, yeah. So, that's the story. Anyway, let's get into the news now. Our first story comes from CNN, and by the way, you don't know the definition of pain unless you've tried using CNN's website. A Minneapolis City Council member intends to defund and dismantle the city's police department. Oh, well, that's an interesting idea. Nine members of the Minneapolis City Council on Sunday announced they intended to defund and dismantle the city's police department following the police killing of George Floyd. We committed to dismantling policing as we know it in the city of Minneapolis and to rebuild with our community a new model of public safety that actually keeps our community safe, Council President Lisa Bender told CNN. Bite my shiny metal ass. Uh, with nine votes, the city council would have a veto-proof supermajority of the council's 13 members, Bender said. Sunday's pledge was acknowledged was an acknowledgement that the current system is not working, Bender said. It, CNN likes to repeat the same things. We need to listen especially to our black leaders, to our communities of color for whom policing is not working, and to really let the solution lie in our community, she said. You don't say CNN. Uh, the idea of having no police department is certainly not in the short term. Get Take a guess. Take a guess what the last two words are. She, well, this time they said she added. Although I, I feel like that's a part that we need to notice. The idea of having no police department is certainly not in the short term. It seems like, and I'm going to read one of the paragraphs from this article verbatim now. Pressed for details on what the dismantling might look like, Bender told CNN she was looking to shift police funding towards community-based strategies and that the city council would discuss how to replace the current police department. So what she means, okay, and this is a common misconception, what she means is not that we're going to just sort of allow anarchy, ooh, anarchy, I saw Mad Max once, and I know that's scary, uh, they're not going to allow anarchy in the streets. They are instead going to rethink the entire police system in a way that could be considered dismantling it. At least that's what I'm getting out of this. And as for my thoughts on that, well, I need to see their solutions. But this is not just get rid of all police ever. This is create a new system that would completely rethink the way policing works in the United States. And as that stands, yeah, I'm in favor of that. Seriously, I am. I mean, at the end of the day, I am not afraid of new ideas. I'm not. And you know what? If these ideas turn out to be good ideas, I hope they be adapted. 
But what they mean by abolish the police department or abolish policing is not just abolish some guys in suits um, enforcing laws. They don't mean that. What they mean is they are going to rethink the entire police department and the entire concept of what we currently refer to as being a police officer, being a cop. And as that stands, I am in favor of that. I am. I want to see a better way going forward. I really do. I think there are a lot of issues with that. And mind you, I, I talked about this before. I'm going to talk about this again. There are tons of police departments that are just fine. If you're listening to this and your police department is in the vast majority of the suburbs in this country, your police department is probably not corrupt. It's probably doing perfectly fine. It's probably not bad. Okay? However, with something that doesn't have as much, that has like no federal oversight like policing, there are going to be counties and there are going to be entire cities where the entire thing is very corrupt. I'm sorry, but that's true. And in those cases, yeah, it makes sense that the only solution is to just rethink the model from the ground up. I mean, what do you want them to do instead? Just continue sitting in a burning building going, this is fine? Well, yeah, probably, because that's what most of these people are already doing. And that's why, by the way, I don't very much like their specific models of just tougher policing, what we've tried, tougher policing models for the past 25 years. And yeah, they, they keep crime down, don't get me wrong. They also, however, only do that until somebody starts rioting. Then they're kind of powerless. You can have all the strong police you want. If they're regularly making people angry to the point where they start rioting, you're not doing anything. You're not going to solve the problem. This is one of the big criticisms of Clinton's crime bill, Biden's crime bill, that I actually do agree with. And I think a lot of the criticisms of that bill are very nonsensical. But there is a valid point that crime cannot just be solved through giving police stronger weapons or through building more jails. We need to look at what causes it. And there have been various studies on what causes it. Some say it's poverty. Others say it's moral values. Others say, I don't know for sure what causes crime. I'm not going to act like I do. I think it depends on the individual committing the crime. And in that case, eventually, we just have to go, well, we can't prevent everything. I mean, my main criticism with, a lot of people refer to it as broken window policing, is we all recognize, or at least most of us recognize, blowback is a thing in foreign policy. If you don't know what blowback is, basically, let me describe it like this. Imagine a country drops bombs on your family. What are you going to do? The answer is want to kill them. <laughs> Uh, we recognize the thing in foreign policy and that it can create terrorists. In fact, even the 9-11 Commission determined that a lot of terrorist attacks in the 2000s were the result of blowback. Okay? We need to recognize that's also a thing in domestic policy. That if we do basically occupy certain areas, especially uh, ones that are, well historically oppressed groups, then yeah, that's going to create some blowback after a while. And you can say you're fine with that, but you can't act surprised when it happened. These George Floyd riots, I'm sorry, they are the end result of our criminal justice system for the past 25 years. Now, if you feel like the benefits have sunk, 
this potential cost, then okay. I would remind you that we've been having various protests like this for several years now. However, that's all besides the point. The fact is, we either have to accept that there will be a slight uptick in usual crime, and there can be no riots, or there will be occasional riots like this George Floyd riot, like the ones when Darren Wilson shot, what was Michael Brown, that was his name, uh, that happened in Ferguson, things like that. That we can have that, and we can have strong police. We can't have no riots and strong police. We can't have riots and weak police for that. Well, I guess you could have riots and weak police. You guys get my point. That we need to determine what our goal of criminal justice is in this country before moving forward. If it's just to prevent crime, well, look at how well that's worked. If it's to give stability to the country, though, then that's been an then it's been an objective failure. It's been an objective failure in my mind. Anyway, you guys probably saw that Colin Powell on CNN, former Secretary of State under George W. Bush, Colin Powell, endorsed Joe Biden for president. Now, this is no surprise to anyone. He endorsed Barack Obama twice, and a few totally not racist commentators like Rush Limbaugh said that was just because Obama and Powell were black. Uh, same thing with Ben Shapiro, by the way. Shapiro said that Powell was an affirmative action general. I wonder if he was also an affirmative action secretary of state. For that matter, I wonder if Clarence Thomas, who literally only got into Harvard Law School because of affirmative action, is an affirmative action Supreme Court justice. Anyway, um, he said it was no wonder that an affirmative action general like Colin Powell would endorse an affirmative action president like Barack Obama. Whatever affirmative action president means in this case. Um, now in this scenario, there were a lot of people, that guy Isagar, I can never pronounce his name unless I'm looking directly at it, uh, the guy from The Hill, okay, said that, oh, the last Republican Colin Powell could endorse was George W. Bush, just think about that. Yeah, Colin Powell liked the guy who made him Secretary of State, big shot. And for that matter... All the people saying, well, Colin Powell is a neoconservative-in-chief. First off, Colin Powell, the reason this is no surprise, because Colin Powell is basically a Rockefeller-esque Republican. Okay, he's written in favor of gun control, he's pro-choice, he supports affirmative action. Obviously, he wasn't going for Donald Trump. He only went for Bush because Bush appointed him. And because he knew Bush was going to appoint him. And for that matter, Powell left the George W. Bush administration of his own accord. A lot of people forget that. Colin Powell left that administration just before Bush's second term started because he realized the war in Iraq was utter nonsense. It was his chief of staff, a guy named Lawrence Wilkerson, who said, as I've said all along, the reason Dick Cheney wanted this war, that being the war in Iraq, it had nothing to do with WMDs or Al-Qaeda or freedom or democracy and everything to do with oil. That was Colin Powell's chief of staff talking about talking like that. Okay? And I always had respect for Powell because of that. Now, I don't think it made up for going to the UN and saying that Saddam Hussein had chemical weapons and pouring flour everywhere and saying they have anthrax bombs and things like that. But I did at least have some respect for him. Then I heard this part of his CNN interview where he talks about endorsing Biden. Just, just listen. 
Seeing tens of thousands of protesters taking to the streets this week in opposition to, to racial injustice and police brutality, what's been your personal reaction to this moment? Do you think that the country is in something of a turning point? We are in turning points. I mean, the Republican Party, the president, thought they were sort of immune. They can go say anything they wanted. And even more troubling, the Congress would just sit there and not in any way resist what the president's doing. And the one word I have to use with respect to what he's been doing for the last several years is a word I would never have used before. I never would have used with any of the four presidents I've worked for. He lies. He lies about things. And he gets away with it because people would not hold him. Wait, 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 wait. Did Colin Powell just say that out of all four of the presidents he's worked for, none of them lie? Okay, let's look at the four presidents he worked for. So first, he was appointed United States Deputy National Security Advisor and then later National Security Advisor for President Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan lied about his administration not selling weapons to Iran. You might remember that. That was the Iran-Contra scandal, the scandal that nearly brought down that entire administration. Colin, you just not remember that at all? Seriously, do you just not remember that at all? That was the same administration that even said bold nonsense, like trees cause more pollution than automobiles. Seriously, President Reagan actually said that. But okay. Then he was the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff for George H.W. Bush. That's the second one. George H.W. Bush lied about not raising taxes during his administration. Again, I'd assume Powell would remember that, considering it was the reason why George W. Bush or why George H.W. Bush did not get a second term. Okay, remember Pat Buchanan? I try and forget him too, but he rose up for a reason. This is also the same administration that directly lied about Iraqis throwing babies out of incubators during the Persian Gulf War. You guys remember that? George H.W. Bush said that they were throwing babies out of incubators. They weren't. There was no evidence of that. There were Iraqi soldiers that were taking incubators to Baghdad, but there is no evidence they were throwing babies out of them. However... George H.W. Bush left office, and Bill Clinton did not get around to replacing Powell for a couple of months. That's the third president. Wasn't appointed by Clinton in any way, by the way. Just want to note that. Bill Clinton was impeached for lying under oath. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. You just can't make this stuff up. No president has lied that he's worked for. Okay, how about the three that did? And then there's number four, George W. Bush. The guy who lied about there being WMDs in Iraq. Remember that? Oh, wait, wait. That one doesn't count, Colin. Because you were a part of that. Hey, remember you went to the UN and threw flowers saying it was anth or saying that this represents the Iraqis' anthrax? Remember that? And again, I had respect for you when you left the administration. I really did. I thought that you had stood up to Bush. Really. I guess not. You know what? I, I guess not. 
And you can't help but notice, by the way, how that statement was just slipped in there. Seriously. It was just slipped in there. During this, because Powell knew him endorsing Biden would be big news like it was the last three times he endorsed a Democrat. However, you can't help but notice that at that just one moment, he just sort of buys into, he just loses. He lets that thing slip, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. He let it slip. And I don't believe any other president I've worked for lied. That, that's what he said. That's what he said. Or he said, I wouldn't call any other president a liar. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Because you believe they haven't lied. Well, then wait. You worked for four presidents, all of which were caught in disastrous lies. Three of those, or sorry, two of those nearly brought down their administration. One of them did bring down their administration. Sorry. But no, 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 you have worked for liars. It just sounds like, I'm going to be honest with you, I have this feeling, and I've had it for a while, the reason people like Colin Powell, or the crimeologist Bill Kristol, or Max Boot, the reason they don't like Donald Trump is because they thought they could get a cabinet position in a different Republican administration. I get that feeling, I really do. Especially with Bill Kristol. Especially with the crimeologist. I mean, he was Dan Quayle's chief of staff, for God's sake. That's how low on the ladder Bill Kristol was. He was the chief of staff for Dan Quayle. And no, Trump is just too much for him, apparently. Dan Quayle, the idiot who said that there was an E in potato. No, that's fine. The guy who said that Latin America spoke Latin. The guy who said that for NASA, space is a very high priority. <laughs> All this other stupid stuff, that was fine for Bill Crystal. But, oh man, no oh man. Just a little bit of that vulgarity. That's too much for him. No, he wanted a cabinet position. That's what it comes down to. He wanted a cabinet position. And I get that same feeling from Colin Powell, in all honesty. I think that's why he doesn't much care for Donald Trump. I'm just speculating, of course, but after hearing that, I can't think of anything else. Because he's not principled. He is not principled. That proved he was not in any way principled. Yeah, I, I hate Colin Powell officially. I officially hate him. I'm sorry. I officially do. I, I didn't hate him for a long time. He was one of the last neocons who I hate, but now he's on that list and he's not coming off. Anyway, uh, here's a story on the George Floyd riots. This is from The Hill. Romney marches with George Floyd protesters in D.C. Stunning and brave, Mr. Romney. How many of them, by the way, were just after a government check? Yeah, you remember that? Remember back in the, during his 2012 campaign where he said that black people just wanted welfare checks? In a speech given... To the NAACP? Here's another question around me. How many of them, serious question, how many of them uh, have been asked to show their birth certificate? Again, you remember that when you appealed to birtherism? Which was, and I will defend this idea till the day I die, because Barack Obama was black. Okay? Nobody's ever asked for a white president's birth certificate, not to my knowledge. Um, 
I, okay, they did ask for Ted Cruz, but Ted Cruz was born in Canada, and we have records of that. We had no records Obama was born in Kenya, or whatever they were claiming. Uh, Senator Mitt Romney, our Utah, joined protesters marching in Washington, D.C. in response to the death of George Floyd on Sunday as demonstrations continues to sweep the country amid calls for police reform. Video and photo of the event showed Romney walking in the street while wearing a mask to prevent the spread which health officials have warned could spike as a result of the massive demonstrations around the country. In an interview with NBC, Romney explained that, quote, many voices needed to join together to stand against racism in the U.S. We need a voice against racism. Oh, my God. One who, during speeches for the NAACP, says black people only want government handouts, I see. Yeah, I, I, by the way, have a lot of respect for the progressives who aren't buying this. There's a good article in Splinter News from a few years back called something like, Here are the Republicans who now stand against racism. And it just goes through every single one of them who was so offended by Donald Trump and says, well, here's the thing you were accused of being racist for doing. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite articles of all time, no joke. And by the way, Romney's the same guy who tried to get appointed Secretary of State by Donald Trump. You guys remember that? Yeah, Splinter News. Here are all the racist things done by Republicans who now condemn racism. Great article. Go give it a read. I, I should also note, I've never liked Mitt Romney. I'm never going to like Mitt Romney. I'm... Okay, anyone who wants him to be a thing among moderate Republicans, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen, I'm sorry. <laughs> Romney is one of those people who is just perpetually unlucky. He's just never actually had a defining political moment. In 08, he was the true conservative compared to John McCain and Mike Huckabee. In 2012, he was the moderate compared to like Michelle Bachman and Rick Santorum. And the, and the establishment compared to anti-establishment candidates like Newt Gingrich. Now, I, I guess he's the establishment again. Maybe next, and he's the anti-establishment at the same time, and that's the issue. Romney is just this, like, thing you can mold into whatever you hate. And I actually kind of feel bad for him as a result. Uh, as for what I think of Romney marching with the George Floyd protesters... If he's doing it peacefully, I don't take issue with it. I mean, seriously, I don't. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh my god, Romney peacefully protested against racism. That's a bad thing. It's not. It's not. I will say, I don't think this is genuine. I feel like it's just him trying to spite the president. But that's neither here nor there. What he did was perfectly acceptable. I just don't like Romney in general, in all honesty. Like, I just really don't. I really don't. I think, in general, he is your typical flip-flopping, snake-in-the-grass politician. I really do. That's what he is. That's what he always will be. Okay? He just always wants to fight an enemy. And sometimes that enemy is the establishment Republicans, like in 08. Sometimes it's Barack Obama, like it was in, 20, in 2012. 
and now it's Donald Trump and the anti-civility culture, or whatever he's going on talking about. He's just perpetually hated. I kind of feel bad for him. Poor Mitt Romney. Only, only he deserves sympathy. John Hickenlooper, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, if you don't know, he's the governor of Colorado. He ran for president a little while ago lost spectacularly, and now he's running for the Senate seat currently held by Cory Gardner. However, there may be some trouble. This is from The Hill. Hickenlooper violated Giff's rules twice while governor the state ethics panel. A state ethics commission found Friday that former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, who is currently running for Senate, twice violated a state law in 2018, barring officials from accepting gifts. Well, that's a really weird law, but okay. The Independent Ethics Commission found Hickenlooper violated the constitutional gift ban known as Amendment 41 when he accepted a ride in a, <laughs> in a Misitari limousine in Italy and flew on a private jet owned by a home builder to Connecticut to go to the commissioning of a submarine. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh man, oh man, those home builders, guys, those home builders. Now that is, that's the real big money in politics. You're all talking about like the Koch brothers or George Soros. I'm talking about home builders who purchase private jet flights to Connecticut for John Hickenlooper. <laughs> this shows kind of the absurdity of strict campaign finance laws. Now, uh, we can talk about exactly what campaign finance laws should and shouldn't be allowed, but are we really to believe that home builders are the reason why our politics are corrupt, really? If I were Hickenlooper, I'd say probably, but that's a really specific law that doesn't make any sense. You know? Like, that doesn't make me corrupt. I took a flight from a home builder. You know home builders. The five-member panel acquitted Hickenlooper of four other counts that were part of the same complaint filed in 2018 by the Conservative Public Trust Institute, of course. Those counts included flights on company planes that were owned by friends. The Friday ruling was the accumulation of a dramatic week in which Hickenlooper declined to testify at a hearing on Thursday, leading the commission to find him in contempt for failing to comply with a subpoena. He later appeared before the panel remotely on Friday. So, what we're getting is Hickenlooper is in trouble. You ready for this? For taking a flight from a home builder. That's like the most specific thing. A human being could be in trouble for, and he's in trouble for it. I mean, just wow. Just wow. <laughs> and this is what, by the way, I'm thinking of when I think of absurd campaign finance laws. Or I guess it wouldn't really be campaign finance laws, but kind of absurd, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anti-corruption laws. You know, it's okay for, say... Big Oil to discuss things with John Hickenlooper. They can't buy him dinner. That's too far. That is too far. It doesn't make any sense. It honestly doesn't make any sense. 
these set-in-stone, hard-limit, anti-corruption laws do not actually do anything at the end of the day. Outside of what? Stop governors from taking flights on private jets? Do we really think that afterwards John Hickenlooper came back to Colorado and said, I'm going to do the bidding of home builders from now on? They effectively lobbied me. Probably not, because John Hickenlooper has an empty head. Uh, but that's a different story entirely. And even then, why is doing the bidding of home builders, of all people, a bad thing? Can any of these anti-corruption activists just answer that question? Why are home builders the biggest concern of if they're giving gifts to John Hickenlooper? It, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Sorry, it really doesn't. This is the most minuscule thing you can get someone on involving corruption charges, and I think it's ridiculous. Sorry, it, it is, it is. And if Hickenlooper loses over this, well then, Colorado is unreasonable. Anyway, now it's time for an Elliot Angles update, where we look at the continued failure of a campaign known as Elliot Angles Primary. He was asked recently, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez endorsed his primary opponent on Wednesday, and he was asked about that. I'm going to see the exact day. Oh, just yesterday. In which he, he gave this response that, in my mind, is hilarious. Just listen. This is not a dictatorship. This is the democracy. We shouldn't have one person from high, even though she's a colleague of mine, think that she can anoint whoever is elected to Congress. That's not what democracy is all about. So I'm tried and true. I've been there. I've worked hard. I've done things for people. As Thank I you. said to people, two-year term, I asked for a renewal of my contract for another two years. Elliot Angle is working so hard, he's punching his card. And, and now I just blanked on the rest of the song. Dang it. <laughs> I was going to do the whole bit. Guess not. Uh, but no, this is an argument people only ever make when they're losing. You guys ever notice that? You know, nobody who's winning ever says, well, I don't need endorsements because this is a democracy, not a dictatorship. No, they never do that. It is only, only when you're losing you pull out these non-arguments. And it is a non-argument, by the way. Uh, Cortez is trying to be a dictator because she endorsed the candidate. Well, if that's the case, and the replies to this were just tearing him apart for it. Here's an article from Politico. Pelosi backs Angle ahead of tight New York primary. Oh my god. Oh my god, Nancy Pelosi, you're trying to be a dictator. Don't you notice a democracy and not a dictatorship? We don't anoint people. What? Or, for that matter, and I, I was almost certain this was going to be true, but I checked anyway. According to Ballopedia, okay, which is a really good source, by the way, Angle endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016. Now, there is nothing wrong with that, okay? He's a Democratic politician. 
What else is he going to do? Not endorse the Democratic nomination? Lol. However, it is worth mentioning because, this is the big reason, this is the big because, does that mean Elliot Engel thinks he's a dictator? He can anoint who the President of the United States is? No, of course not, because this argument is ridiculous. The only reason I chose to play this clip in the first place is because it shows Elliot Engel's campaign is flailing in the wind right now. And I mean just flailing in the wind. Just wow. You have no idea how bad it is. When he has to pull out this argument. You know, he could actually say, like, Cortez is a radical. I'm not trying to appeal to her district or something along those lines. Wouldn't have been a great argument. It would have made him sound cocky. But it would have at least been a show of confidence. As of right now, I firmly believe Elliot Angle thinks he's going to lose. I firmly believe that. I don't know if he's going to lose. I think, I think Angle thinks he's going to lose. And the reason for that is because he pulled out that argument. If he had pulled out any other argument, it would have at least shown confidence. No, he has to go with, well, do you think you can't legally force me out of Congress without an election happening? Okay. You can't mass brainwash civilians and voting against me. Uh, okay, that's true, Elliot. That's true. What's your actual point, though? Why should they vote for you? Well, you see, uh, I don't have a reason. I just kind of assumed I didn't need one. I'm in my 16th term, for God's sake. You still care about reasons? I don't. Lol. Yeah, Elliot Angle says lol, despite being in his 80s. I think he's in his 80s. He's probably close to his... He can't be any younger than, like, his 50s. I don't know exactly how old Elliot Angle is. Old enough to retire. I'll say that much. He's old enough to retire. And Elliot, go enjoy your retirement. Okay, seriously, go enjoy it. I wish you the best. You're going to lose, though. Same with Jeff Sessions. Same with Chris Kobach. Same with all the other bad politicians. And they're all going to blame something other than themselves because that's how this works now. And I'll be here to laugh at you no matter what. Thank you, Mr. Angle. Anyway, I don't normally like getting into pop culture drama, but I just thought this was too amazing to let go. This is from Daily Wire. Elmer Fudd, Yosemite Sam will not use guns in Looney Tunes reboot. Has political correctness gone three far? I'm sorry, there has not been a good Looney Tunes reboot in years. Okay? I'm just going to get this off my chest. Think of all the Looney Tunes reboots there have been. How many have been good? Tiny Tunes was pretty good. Does that count as a reboot? I count it as a reboot. I liked Looney Tunes show, but nah, it wasn't really the classic cartoons. Wabbit was okay. But no, most of them have been garbage. They've been things like Lunatics Unleashed. Remember that? Or Baby Looney Tunes. Remember that? I guess Duck Dodgers. I saw like one or two episodes of thought it was okay. Um, but no, you guys get my point. There hasn't been a good Looney Tunes reboot in years. 
at least they aren't making them all superheroes this time. That's my response. At least they aren't making them all superheroes this time. Or sitcom characters. Or babies. Okay? Those are far worse than not giving two characters guns. And for that matter, what if Yosemite Sam is just a racist depiction of a white person? Ooh, that's a thought that we've all had. <laughs> the upcoming Looney Tunes reboot on HBO Max will be implementing a progressive update, stripping the characters Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam of their guns. Oh no. <laughs> I'm actually thinking through all the Looney Tunes cartoons I've seen. I've not seen all the Looney Tunes cartoons, and even then I haven't watched a good amount of them in a long time. But I'm trying to think... Did Sam ever actually use his gun for anything other than shooting angrily at the sky? Serious question. I can't think of a single time. But Elmer Fudd uses his gun all the time. Though in his first appearance, he had a camera, so, eh. Side note, you guys ever looked up how Elmer Fudd started out? Do yourself a favor. Look up Elmer Fudd first cartoon. Next time you get the chance. Look at how he started out versus what he is now. Um, but no, now I just imagine that scene from Looney Tunes back in action, where they're drawing through the rabbit season bit without Daffy. <laughs> Except this time, instead of there being no Daffy, there's no gun, and Elmer just has to... Elmer just imagines it's not there. Or he uses a slingshot. <laughs> Warner Brothers is stripped... Oh, wait, did I already... Yeah, I know I haven't. Warner Brothers is stripping Elmer Fudd of his rifle in a new Looney Tunes cartoon series on HBO Max, handicapping the grumpy hunter as he continues his decades-long pursuit of the wise-cracking Bugs Bunny, reports New York Post, that changed the latest incarnation of the iconic animated series in a response to the gun violence in the U.S. Again, at least they aren't superheroes this time. Anyone who thinks this is the worst possible choice, go watch Lunatics Unleashed. I dare you. I double dare you. Go watch Lunatics Unleashed and then come back to me and say this is some sort of betrayal. No. No, that was a betrayal. I actually want to see the original source. So New York Post got... And by the way, Daily Wire getting it from New York Post. Immediately, I'm skeptical. Oh, he told the New York Times this. Okay, and it was from Bramgart. Bramgart? The man who ruined Looney Tunes. Checks note again. <laughs> the original Looney Tunes cartoons regularly featured Elmer Fudd hunting Bugs Bunny with a rifle only to be outsmarted by his bag of tricks every time. Beyond Elmer Fudd, the show contained plenty of cartoon violence from Wile E. Coyote's... I'm not even going to smirk and chiss. Just, just say chases. Just say chases the Daily Wire. We get it. You bought a thesaurus. Go give it to the president. The president's who needs it. You don't. Uh, <laughs> with Roadrunner to Speedy Gonzalez escaping the clutches of Sylvester the Cat. That was... I remember more Tweety with Sylvester than Speedy. I mean, I guess they were both involved with Sylvester at various points. For that matter, did you know that Bugs Bunny actually fought Wile E. Coyote a few times? Seriously. Go, go look that up if you don't believe me. Uh, speaking with the New York Times, executive producer Peter Braungart said that the show will still feature plenty of cartoon violence sand guns. 
We are not doing guns, but we are do. But we can do cartoony violence, TNT, the Acme stuff. All that was grandfathered in. Elmer Fudd will instead hunt Bugs Bunny with a a siphle, a sight. I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that is. I'm looking that up right now. I'm not a weapons guy, okay? Uh, let's siphon. I'm searching this through Yahoo Images. Did I click images? No, because using Yahoo when half screen is literal torture. Oh, oh, sickle! Sick. It looks like a sickle. Okay. I, mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be a sickle, but it kind of looks like that. Um, no, I mean, at that point, you might as well just make him the Grim Reaper. That's my response. Have Bugs Bunny fight death himself. Okay, I would watch that religiously. No joke. Bugs Bunny is an old man, and death is like... Hey, Bugs Bunny. I'm assuming that Death, for some reason, introduces everyone with their full name. And then Bugs Bunny is like, Eh, what's up, Doc? And then, you know, Death is like, It's your time to be killed, or it's your time to die. And then Bugs Bunny is like, Listen here, bud, if Space Jam can't do it, then neither can you. There are people who think Space Jam is a good movie. And I'm somewhat one of them. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just don't know how to respond to the to respond to this. Yeah, that that's stupid. Again, they were superheroes at one point. Okay, in a world where lunatics unleashed exists, you cannot tell me this is some sort of big betrayal. Okay? Warner Brothers hasn't cared about you for years. I'm sorry, look up the Looney Tunes spinoffs. How many of them have been good? How many of them have actually been good? I mean, you got Tiny Tunes. We'll all agree Tiny Tunes is good. I liked Looney Tunes show. I really did. Didn't really feel like the classic shorts of I'm more like a sitcom. Although it wasn't particularly bad. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm just, this is so nothing to me. If only in part because the classic cartoons are still going to be there no matter what. I mean, you can't get all of them on DVD, or I get, you could probably get all of them on DVD, actually. Just not entirely legally. Uh, <laughs> you can find every Looney Tunes cartoon, even like the Censored Eleven. And that is supposed to be really bad, and a lot of them are really bad. That's supposed to be impossible to find. Warner Brothers buried those in history. You can find them really easily. Just Google search Censored Eleven. You'll find a wiki page with links to all 11 of them. I'm sorry. I think I actually had a few of them on a DVD when I was younger. I'm not even joking. I had at least one of them. It had, I forget exactly the context, but it had Bugs Bunny doing some form of blackface. I forget the full thing, though. But, yeah. Let's just read a little bit more. <laughs> However, despite the absence of guns, it does not mean Looney Tunes will be losing its edge. After all, this is Looney Tunes and not Mickey Mouse. Why are you hating on Mickey Mouse? Listen, okay. Mickey Mouse. Nobody remembers him. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, another let's be real moment. 
How many good Nick Mickey Mouse cartoons were there? And I mean in the spin-off territory. There was House of Mouse, and that's it. Okay? If you're gonna watch anything Mickey-related, you watch House of Mouse. Come on in, we're gonna shake the house. We're having a ball at the House of Mouse. I really need to talk about this more. This is fun to me. I don't care what any of you say. Uh, the 200 cartoons which will feature the other Looney Tunes stars. Did you put stars in quotation marks, Daily Wire? Really? We'll still have an edge. Porky Pig sucks the poison out of Daffy Duck's leg in one skit. Oh, so they're still okay with cartoonish nonsense. Sylvester is haunted by the ghost of his traditional target, Tweety Bird. Okay, you see, it's Tweety Bird. Okay? Not... Whatever, not Speedy Gonzalez. I'm sorry, I don't care what any of you say. And Satan even makes a cameo in one tune reported the New York Post. I mean, just, wow. So, basically, they're making the violence even more cartoony. Okay. I mean, I, I have no issue with that. I really don't. I, I really don't. This is not a has political correctness gone three far uh, type of situation. This is a... We're changing it so it's even more of a cartoon situation. Which I am completely fine with. I really am. I'm sorry, I really am. Um, I mean, how else am I supposed to respond to this? Oh, no, they aren't using guns anymore. Okay, the two characters aren't using guns anymore. I think we'll live. I think we'll live. Anyway, that's it. I am Ephra. Anyway, that's all for tonight. If you enjoy this show, you'll probably enjoy my book, Ramblings of a Madman, Life as an Anarchist. Follow me on Twitter at Ephraim Josie one Follow me apart on Gab at Peaceful underscore Globalist underscore Ephraim. And follow me on Parlor at Ephraim Josine. If you have anything you want to send me, a question, comment, or concern, send it to me at PeacefulGlobalistReview at gmail.com. That's PeacefulGlobalistReview at gmail.com. Just name of the show at gmail.com. I am Ephraim, and good night.